Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, you have found the Mess It Up podcast. I am the Bowtie Guy. I'm here to hopefully uh, help you take a mess and turn it into a message. We've got a couple of guests on the show today, one that you've heard and one that you have not heard before, so it should be very, very fun and interesting. I want to mention a couple things as we start. First of all, today's Word of the Week, and I know how much you love the Word of the Week. The Word of the Week is stupendous this week, and stupendous is simply just something that's extremely impressive. And I really um, have to say that the story that these uh, two guests are gonna tell to me today is stupendous. And so I thought that'd be a great word of the week. So use that word of the week, give yourself 10 bonus points for every time you use it in a sentence this week. And uh, maybe maybe take a, a picture of yourself using the word of the week and uh, you can post it to our social media and use the hashtag mess it up, hashtag stupendous and that will be outstanding we'll look for you on our social media maybe just maybe you'll win a starbucks card and at some point you can either go through a drive-thru or we might come off of our uh, our our self-imposed quarantines and government-imposed quarantines to go out and go to starbucks and enjoy a cup of coffee i don't know how you're going to do it but you could be getting starbucks for just posting your pictures with stupendous on it so uh that sounds like fun to me hopefully it's fun to you where should you put those things well we're on instagram we're on twitter we are on facebook you can also find us on our subreddit uh if you look up messed up ministries everywhere else look for mess it up podcast and you can find us there you can also email me if you need to get some information to me it's bowtie guy at mess it up podcast.com and if you want to get a whole of uh, handsome intern Dave out there in Hawaii. He's locked up uh, suffering for Jesus on the islands, but inside you can get him at info at messituppodcast.com. So please make use of all that stuff. Also, I know that times are a little bit difficult right now and you might be uh, dealing with a lack of work. And if that's you, I just want you to stick your fingers in your ears for the next 10, 15 seconds. If you are not, if you're a person like me who uh, you know is retired and has that fixed income, so not working doesn't affect you, please feel free to check out our Patreon page. If you want to become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you can help the ministry grow and uh, we can reach more people. Uh, I want to thank uh, our new patrons who uh, jumped on last week. Um, really appreciate that. We'll be getting your swag out to you uh, as soon as we're able to get out of the house. So there we go. That's all the stuff. Look at that. I did that in like two and a half minutes. Can you believe it? It's impressive for me. But I want to introduce our guest right now. The first one is a familiar voice to all of you people. This is Listener Bev. Go ahead and say hi to the folks, Listener Hi, Bev. everybody. This is Listener Bev from California. But you're not from California right now. That's right. Right now I'm in beautiful green Tennessee. Yeah, Listener Bev from Tennessee. And then we've got your sister. Who are you, young lady? I'm Kay. Sometimes I'm Mama. Sometimes I'm Grandma. But I'm here. All right. And we are going to be talking about uh, the uh, story that happened way back in 2001 uh, for uh, for our family. Uh, and if you haven't figured out, Kay is Listener Bev's sister. Uh, that makes her my sister-in-law, and uh, we're here to talk about my uh, my mother-in-law, their mom, about just an amazing story way back at the uh, the turn of millennium that happened. So uh, I'm just going to jump in right now and say, or ask you guys to just kind of tell us a little bit what happened with with uh, Grandma back uh, at the beginning of the century here when before it became a mess. What was the the plan? I'm, I'm going to tell you that the start of this story for me was uh, having my parents 
come and visit me in California. And I remember that as my mom and dad backed out of the driveway, uh, we were reminded that my, my mother was just getting ready to be scheduled for double knee replacement surgery when she got back home. And as she said goodbye that day, she hugged me real tight. And then she kind of had her arm slide down my shoulder until she was holding my hand. And as she pulled away from my hand to step into the car, she just clung on a little bit longer. And um, I could see that she was a little nervous, a little worried about going into this double knee replacement surgery. And I just, that so burned in my brain. And so that was the beginning of this very, very long period of time for our family. Um, but I'll throw that to Kay to tell you a little more of the details because I was in California and Kay was here in Tennessee with my parents. So your parents came out to visit you in California. At this point, I was in jail. Yeah. And so then they came back and, uh, now Kay, they were already living in Tennessee at this point, right? Just for a short time, they had been in Indiana and I persuaded them, please come to Tennessee so that I can be here to help take care of you. And I'll put that in quotes because at that point they were still very lively and doing their own thing. But as a nurse, it was just kind of like my need to say, I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, and, and it's important that you uh, pick up on that, that N-word there that she used. Kay's a retired nurse. Uh, how many years did you spend? It was 30-plus. Oh I goodness. can't even, I don't even know exactly. I graduated from nursing school in 81, or 80, 80. So I didn't retire till 2015. Mercy, wow. Wow, that's a long time. It is, but I loved it. That's 35 years. Yeah. Good land. So so you're a nurse in Nashville. They were living in Indiana, and they had moved down to Nashville to get closer to medical care. Right. And so y'all could help uh, with right. all that stuff. And now Grandma's got to have the knee replacements. So now pick that up for us, okay? She goes in and, and tell us the story of what happened in the hospital. Well, one thing I have to preface here is the fact that I wanted to get there before she went into surgery that day because we had had supper together that night before. And I For those of you who don't come from the South, supper is what on the West Coast we call <laughs> dinner. Yeah. And dinner <laughs> lunch. is lunch. Yeah, yeah. Dinner is lunch. So. But anyway, we'd had supper the night before, and I said, I'll see you in the morning. Well, of all times, downtown Nashville, you do not drive through town after 6 o'clock in the morning without stop-start traffic. And I could not get there before she went into surgery. So I was devastated when I found out she had already gone in and just had this unsettled feeling in my chest. And I don't know what it was or I didn't know what it was then. Mm -hmm. Afterward, I kind of knew that was, you know, Holy Spirit saying, just be praying. Your mom's going to be okay. But I didn't know that. Yeah. And now for... A knee replacement is, I don't want to say it's its a, a minor surgery, but, no, but it's, it's it happens all the time. Yeah, very yeah. routine. Yeah. And at this point, she was in her 70s? Right at 70. Right. So, so not extremely old. No. So it wasn't something that we saw as, okay, this is a very risky surgery. No. I actually, I mean, I hated that she had to go through with it because I know 
the recovery time for that. And I know mom was very fearful of certain things, like she had severe claustrophobia. She knew she was going to be in some type of a, not a brace, but some type of mechanism to help exercise her knees. So there were things that I knew as a nurse I didn't want to really tell her about. <laughs> but, you know, but I, I just knew that hesitation. So she goes in for surgery, and you you weren't there. When did you get there? How long had she been in by the time you um, uh, arrived? It wasn't too awfully long. I think it was probably around... Eight o'clock in the morning, and I think she had been she had gone in around seven. And how long is that surgery? Oh golly, for double knee replacement, it's probably four hours. Okay, so you just knew you're going to be sitting around, right, waiting, right. And so then, at what point do you find out that everything's not copacetic? Well, the doctor called us in the waiting room, Daddy and I, at 11.45. We, we, I have to preface backwards here a little bit. Mom has kept a diary for over 35 years. And um, up until just the other day, she wrote in her diary. And um, Daddy and I decided we'd keep it up for her. Mm. So we have some real specifics about timing and everything. Um, at 11.45, the doctor called us in the waiting room and said, surgery went fine. She's in the recovery room. She'll be here about an hour and then go to her room. And we breathed a sigh of relief. Thank you, Lord. And went on and got lunch. You know, uh -huh. we went downstairs and got lunch. One o'clock went by. Two o'clock went by. Three o'clock went by. And I'm thinking in my heart, oh, no. Something has happened. Yeah. And at 4 o'clock, they said, you can go on upstairs. The doctor wants to talk to you. This is her room number. Now, this is 2001, so cell right. phones aren't as ubiquitous, so no. they couldn't just call you and say uh, there was a problem. No. Uh, well, it went through the secretary of the waiting room. Okay. She had everybody's numbers, and she would call and say, you have a message from the doctor, mm. that kind of thing. Okay. So we went up to her way, her room, her private room, and um, when I looked at the doctor's face, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Now, I have to tell you, too, we had an amazing doctor. He was a Christian doctor, and he was just, he was amazing. Um, Did you I, know him prior to this professionally? Uh, a lit, not professionally, no, but he... But uh, yes, in the fact that he had doctored several of our family members. Okay. You know, knee scopes and shoulder scopes and, you know, all that stuff that happens. Um, so we knew he was a great doctor. Um, but I knew his face did not look good. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mom has had a stroke. And I looked at him and I said, I kind of figured that. And then I became the nurse, not the daughter. Yeah, is that, how often does that turn on and off for you, it being a mother of four, a nurse, grandkids? I mean, is that something that just, there's a, a medical thing and all of a sudden K is gone and now it's Nurse K? Just Pretty instantaneously, in? yeah. yeah. And is that just the training or is that a, a protection thing or? I don't know, I've thought about that. I think it's a little of both. Yeah. Um, that, you know, just like firefighters jump into a fire and police jump into a, 
to a, an emergency, I think nurses have that built in that yeah, you're somebody made to needs be a nurse, help. and so yeah. it doesn't you don't yeah. turn that off. Yeah. Well, a little thing of my history is that at 12 years old, I wanted to be a missionary nurse. That's what I wanted to be. And I was so convinced that that's what I was going to be that I made all preparations, school and everything to do that. And then it didn't happen. I ended up getting married, had my children. And I thought, why am I not a missionary? Mm. I did become a nurse at a later time. And then my mission field was whatever job I had. Sure. And I really believe that God put that in me to be able to explain why this is happening or why that's not happening. And and that was, to me, the blessing that I gave my dad. It's so incredible that God prepares things in advance. And I get limited by my timetable. And so for me, a year is a long time to plan for something. Uh, but God's got these things planned out. So here's Kay, 12 years old. Listen, girl, you're going to be a nurse probably before that, but that's when you finally realized it. And so it can all come to play at this point now in 2001 so that you can have the knowledge to know. So when you hear stroke, you're a nurse, do you play worst case scenario, move forward? Do you just collect data and see where you are? How does that work? Because I'm kind of a worst case scenario guy and then mm -hmm. hope for better. Well, I'm the opposite. I've never been worst case scenario. I have that in the back of my head, but I'm thinking, okay, what's the next step we need to do right now? And first of all, it went into a realm that I was totally unfamiliar with. I know blood clot strokes. I know aneurysm strokes, but I don't know what they call a fat embolus stroke. Now, embolus is just another word for clot. And what happens in a real short essence here is that when a surgeon cuts into a long bone, which would be your leg bones, fat escapes out of the bone marrow. And, or it can, it doesn't always. If fat escapes out of the bone marrow, it immediately goes into the bloodstream at that point. And when I ask what the chances are, he said one in 10,000. And I'm like, whoa. And, but they knew, they could, they could almost pinpoint when it happened. It was during recovery that mom's uh, vital sign stats all went bizarre. Her blood pressure went kind of weird. Her heart rate went weird. Mm -hmm. Her um, cognizant behavior became weird. She was no longer talking. And they think that those spikes and those stats were when the fat embolus went to the brain. Okay. So now she's not, did they move her then to a different area of the hospital because she was in a surgery recovery? Now it's more critical than just a surgical recovery. Did they put her in a special ward or leave her there? Or how does that? She went immediately from um, recovery into ICU. Okay. Um, we were allowed to see her once in recovery, just for a brief second, and she was not uh, aware of anything. And then she was, uh, how long was she uh, not aware? How, not, 
it's not that she was non There's a difference I'm thinking, in it, and I'm, I know as much about doctoring as TV has shown me. <laughs> she's not non-responsive, but she's not conscious. She was non-responsive. Okay. Totally. Okay. Totally. I shut um, breathing on her own, which was a miracle in itself. That clot should have gone to her lungs and ended her life immediately. Mm. But that spike in the stats, they think, was when it bypassed or went through her lungs. We don't know what. God only knows that. But immediately went into her brain and scattered. They said it looked like somebody had set off a bomb in her oh head gosh. that the that the the fat globules had just exploded in her brain and hit several different areas at one time, um, which set in motion a whole set of circumstances with brain swelling. And um, even though she still had functions as far as heart rate, breathing, um, everything else had shut down. Yeah. And you didn't have family come out for surgery because it was at that point we're thinking routine surgery. When do you now call family and say, hey, this has happened? And is it one of those things where like you need to come and, and, and see? Or at first was it just calling to give people the awareness of it? Or, or what was that essence of that call? I would have to read back into Mom's diary for sure, but this has put us into Labor Day weekend. Okay. Um, Mom's surgery was August the 29th, and I think Labor Day was either the 3rd or the 4th. And Bev might be able to interject a date here, but I had called her to let her know about the stroke and that mom was not doing well. But at that point, I can't remember exactly when she came, but I think it was Labor Day weekend. I, for some reason, I'm thinking September 4th. I think so because um, I remember that I had a break uh, in, my, in my school, so it was easy for me to get there. And you know how you always have a, a short period of time where you have time off from school and uh, so I think that was the reason why it was easy for me to get away. So when Kay called in, were you like, okay, I need to go? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, as soon as I explained that to my children, um, Kristen and Heather wanted to go. Okay. And Brad was working. Uh, he couldn't really get away. Um, and, and Kaylee was not with us at that time. Right. So um, we hop the next plane that we could find and just got out here as soon as we could. Right. So now this is the beginning of September of 2001. The beginning of the school year. I don't even know that. I think I'd only been in school maybe a week. Probably not yeah. that much because of yeah. this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, because we know what's coming up in September of 2001. Um, right. So... So we get her, people are out here now, and then here's where the, well, the story's amazing all the way around, but this is where something really stupendous happened. Okay, tell us about the, uh, the, the grandkids and the music. Um, well, the kids came in, well, I'm saying the kids, my children had been back and forth to see grandma through the window at, at the uh, ICU, couple of them were still, well, the grandkids were still too young to go in there, but the nurses let them watch Grandma. Um, but 
they had just tried to talk with her, which there was no response. Mm -hmm. Mom had not opened her eyes at all. Um, was this a medically induced thing or was this no, was because this was of her. The, the episode? Okay. This was her. Let me back up just a second before the music thing. Um, Mom had been in a total unresponsive situation. No eyes open, nothing, absolutely nothing. Hadn't moved a muscle. And um, our pastor's mother-in-law came and, pre and prayed for mom. Mm. She, she put her hand on mom's shoulder. She said, Lord, you raised Lazarus from the, bed, from the dead and Betty is not dead. So raise her up out of this bed and allow her to live. Mom's eyes opened instantly. First time in four days. Oh my goodness. Instantly. And the next day she came out of ICU. Wow. Into a step down unit. Now that's still kind of a critical unit, but it's not as intense as ICU. And right. then all the kids were allowed to come see her. Okay. So now fast forward to Kristen and Heather came, Beverly was with her, and Kristen brought a praise CD with her. And, and a recorder. And she said, I thought grandma might like to hear this at night so that she wouldn't be so scared because mom would have this worried look on her face all the time, even though she wasn't talking. She just had this fearful look. Mm -hmm. So the girls would stay in the evening so we could get some rest. And before they left for the night, they would put the praise CD in the recorder and the player put the earphones in her ears, and the nurses said, we will keep it going all night long. Wow. And it's, it's gonna bring us to our song of the week. Uh, one of the, the songs on this, and keep in mind this is 2001, so we're going backwards in time here, so please forgive me if this song of the week is just a little bit uh, old school on you, but we're gonna have a song of the week this week from Free Chapel. This is called I Sing Praises to Your Name, and we'll be back on the other side of the break to tell you why we chose this particular song for our song of the week. I sing praises to your name. Sing it with me. Oh Lord, praises to your name. So that uh, song there is an old praise song from uh, the 90s, uh, and it's just it's just one of those songs that is great because of the thing I love about the worship courses is the repetitive nature of it. So it just lets you 
it lets me put my mind in neutral and just accept what's coming in instead of trying to process fancy words or anything. I could just ruminate on those thoughts. Uh, but does anything stand out about that particular song to you guys in the lyrics or, or the melody or anything like that? Is there anything about the song itself that you find noteworthy or commentable? Well, what I was going to say was exactly what you just said, so I have nothing left. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I broke the cardinal rule and I spoke first you and did. stole the words of the guest. You did. You could just say ditto. Okay, uh, ditto. <laughs> or you could just ruminate and repeat on it so everyone could put their mind in the oh, they drive go. down and the just, road. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. So, so this song and, and some of the other songs, tell us what was so stupendous about this whole thing with the music and the ears and all that stuff. Well, after Mom recovered from her stroke and she was able to finally make it to church the first time, now you have to picture a frail little body with a cane. Uh, she had graduated from a wheelchair to a walker to a cane. So Daddy, and Grandma's anything but big. I no, mean, she stands no. about four feet. Well, she's five foot even. Five feet even, okay. Yeah. And I don't even know what she was weighing at that point. If she weighed 120 pounds, I don't know. But yeah. she was teeny tiny. And um, took her into church. And we were sitting there. They started church worship. And I don't remember which song this came into play. But we were standing there singing. And, and it was a new song being introduced to the church. And Mom said, I know this song. And we said... Mom, you couldn't. It's a new song. We've never sung it here. Oh, no. I know this song. Why do I know this song? And then it dawned on me why. This was one of the praise choruses on Kristen's CD. Now, here is where California has it up on us because they always came out to California before they would hit Tennessee because <laughs> we're in the backwoods, you know, out here. Um, so but it was just funny that... You know, we were, again, praising God as the song says, I give glory to your name of mom's recovery and how he spoke to her when she was not capable of reacting to anything. Yeah. Now, I'm going to roll the story back from church back to the hospital. So, uh, Bev, when you and the kids came out from California, you came out for a little while. Uh, when did you fly back home? Um, actually, the day before September 11th. Which is, for people Se who don't know the calendar? September 10th. September 10th, yes, of 2001. Yes. Which is right before the 9-11 yes. attacks. You flew home and were home just prior to that. Right, and it didn't dawn on me until a lot longer after this was over that at that point they shut down the air flight, you know, and yeah. I would not have made it home. Right. I would have been stuck wherever... So when you I came know. home, what was your thought about what was going to go on with your mother? What was the outlook, the, the, the prognosis from the doctors at that point? I was, I was hopeful that she was doing better. I didn't have that deep ache in my heart like uh, my mom is not going to recover, but I still was wondering the capacity to which she would recover too. You know, like I thought that she would be limited in what she'd be able to do and um, not be, leaving was extremely hard. What hope were the doctors giving at that point? I wish I can remember. I don't know. This is where I have to have Kay fill in the blank. 
Yeah, and I'm going to do what my son calls nursey language here <laughs> for a second. But she had had a series of MRIs and CT scans that showed continual uh, brain swelling. Uh, the brain was swelling down into the brain stem, which had it gone that far, it would have shut off her her heart function and her breathing function and brain function. So that would have ended her life. And if anybody has ever looked at pictures of the brain, it has several folds and convolutions in it to where like valleys and hills, hers had swollen so badly that her brain was smooth against her skull. Mm -hmm. And we had five doctors meet with us they said we need to talk with you and it was my dad and myself my sister-in-law who is a nurse and our our uh, pastor I think there was one other person there I can't remember um, anyway we knew it was serious if they were going to meet with us and they said um, we have to be honest we think you need to prepare for a funeral. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Your mom you, is not going to make right. it. You just never, the doctors don't come out and say, hey, we need to talk to you. Everything's great. Right. That's not the right. process. No. No. no, usually no. that's a meet in the room and say, hey, we got good news for you. Yeah. But we knew a meeting. And at that point, because brain is not my thing, I mean, I was an OB nurse, I was a GYN nurse. Um, and later on went into hospice care, I had nothing, no knowledge. Excuse of me for brain interrupting functions. you, but I, brain is not my thing either. <laughs> not, not for the same reason. Not for the same reason at all. Okay. So, so a not a whole lot of hope um, no, is from no. the medical people. You have hope in your heart and, and the desire, but not a lot of science backing up the fact right. that this is going to turn right. around and be okay. Right. As a matter of fact, if, unless I have the time wrong, I remember at that point, Daddy was saying that he was ready to go to the funeral home and start making arrangements and, and figured I need to be ahead of the game on this because I know what's coming. Yeah. Well, he actually was looking online for prices of caskets. It was that bad. Yeah. Um, but then D Daddy made a remark that was really interesting. He said, well, do we need another opinion? And, and we're looking at the doctors, and the one doctor, which our private doctor, he said, well, Grandpa, he said, you've got five doctors here telling you that she's not oh, going to wow. make it. And so Daddy said, okay, okay. And then fast forward when Mom recovered, my husband said, well, you asked for a second opinion, and God gave it to you. Oh, Here yes. she is, making <laughs> it to church. Yes. So. Yeah. So uh, one of the stories that I love about this is when the doctor came to check on her after she had been released. Can you tell the story about the doctor after uh, Betty went home? Yes. My dad realized all of a sudden that mom had not gone in to recheck her knees. We had thought so much about her brain function. And by the way, they only gave her about 70% chance of any recovery at all at that point. I mean, it had gone fast forward into a better light. Things started getting better. Brain started 
you know, reducing in size and all that. Um, but, um, <laughs> so keep going, yeah, Beth. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, not all of us are young uh, and by not all, I mean, none of us. Well, do you remember what I said about brain? How brain is not my brain? <laughs> had a senior yeah. moment yeah, there right, for right. a second. Are you back? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to replay that last sentence. That's uh, why I'm a retired nurse now. Yeah, right. Right. No. Um, Oh gosh, I forgot the question that you had yeah, originally oh, asked actually, me. When the doctor uh, came and Betty had gone home. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Daddy realized that she had never had her recheck on her knees, and so he called the doctors at the orthopedics office, and he said, um, "I need to get Miss Keegan in for her recheck on her knees. We've never had the doctor check those." And she said, uh, "Mr. Keegan, hold on a minute." And the next voice was our doctor. And he said, Mr. Keegan? He said, yes. Um, he said, I, I just realized that Betty never had her recheck on her knees. And her doctor said, I thought she died. She's still living? And daddy said, yeah, she is. And he said, well, thank you, God. And when we took mom in, she was determined she wanted to be walking into that room to see the doctor. She came up there in a wheelchair, but we took her walker with us. And she walked down the hallway to see the doctor. And when he saw her come down the hallway, he just cried, mm. just cried. And thank God that she was still alive. That's amazing. Wow. And then there was a, a story that I had heard, uh, and I don't remember all the details, but um, do you remember about uh, they had a some sort of a, a conference and they were talking about debriefing about what was the reason for her recovery. Oh, that was an ethics committee. Okay. What they did is they brought in um, students and um, uh, medical students and some of the doctors from the ethics committee and including our personal doctor who is a friend and um, ask us if we'd like to be part of that because they would like to hear the family side of what went on. Now, with an ethics board, that's usually a pretty serious thing. They're, they're um, insinuating that a doctor did something wrong. Mm. Um, but in this case, they wanted to know how we felt about what was done because mom was considered a DNR, do not resuscitate, but yet she had a vent she was on the ventilator. Mom was considered a DNR, but she had a feeding tube. Wow. Mom was considered a DNR, but she went to rehab. Uh -huh. So all of that was brought up. And the whole thing was, yes, it was necessary because those were comfort measures. Her brain was functioning, her heart was beating, her, her lungs were working, but to get better, she needed to have some relief from that struggle, so she was on the ventilator for support. She was breathing fine, but if it took a lot of energy to breathe, if you could take some of that energy away mm -hmm. her brain could get better 
And because she wasn't able to eat yet, the feeding tube was necessary to get better. She was not only a stroke patient, but she was a post-op patient. So you're looking at nutrition, you're looking at good function for the body, so they started exercising her knees. There was just a whole lot of stuff that was put to side that nobody really thought about. It's like, oh yeah, we've got to remember mom has new knees. And back when I said mom had claustrophobia really, really badly, she never knew she went through rehab with her knees because she was out of it that whole time. So she never had to experience having her knees trapped into a machine that would make her knees work. She never knew that happened. When she woke up and fully recovered, praise God, her claustrophobia was gone. Yeah, and then she was able to then fly. Yes. Yes. And, and ride in the back in the, seat of, of a car. car. Yeah. Yes. And be on an elevator. Yeah. It yes. was really weird. And, and 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 I wish that we could have you here talking about this because one of the amazing things too about this, or just the the peculiar things about the story, is she was not aware of 9/11, 9/11. No. attack. Right. No. And so at that that anniversary, that's when she really got to see those things and mm-hmm. for the first time. And it's just it's. It's just a, an amazing, stupendous story for me. So yes. uh, we're very long into this. So I'm going to have us raise your hand like the first grade teacher. I know, right. Wouldn't you know? I just wanted to say two things and uh, not to spoil the end of the story, but I guess we're going to get there anyway. Uh, two things. Hashtag spoiler alert. Yes. One thing was that um, I just thought that this was just absolutely precious and just like God to do this, that uh, my dad... Uh, trying to prepare for my mom coming home from the rehab place. Uh, you can see I'm not a nurse. Rehab place. What do you, you know, whatever you call Facility. that. Facility. Yeah. Um, he had gone out and gotten some wood, and he and my brother-in-law, Kay's husband, built a ramp for Grandma because they had already, you know, notified Daddy that when she does come home, she's going to need a ramp because it's she'll be wheelchair bound. So they built this beautiful ramp up to their home, and um, I I don't even know if they ever even used it. Did they, they used ever, it just once, to bring her I home? Think. To bring her home, yeah. and then it wasn't too long until, like Kay mentioned, she graduated to a walker, and then she graduated to a cane, and then she was throwing the cane in the back seat of the car where she hardly ever used it, and the next thing you know. She was completely, you know, working on her own without any assistance. So my dad took the the ramp down and took the wood and turned it into a porch swing. So they ended up having a porch swing at their home that was made out of some of the lumber that they had used. The other story that I wanted to tell you was the next time I saw my mom was when they came to visit us out in California. And I don't know, maybe it was... A year later, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a year. And of course, by this time, I had talked to Mother on the phone and I knew she was doing better, but I just wanted to have eyes on. But I was totally unprepared for what I was going to see because I can remember sitting in, um, in a faculty meeting, a staff meeting, on a Wednesday afternoon, and the we always held our meetings in the library, and the whole end of the library building was glass. 
and so it's after school we're in this meeting and we're all talking I'm not paying a bit of attention what's going on outside and all of a sudden my eyes happen to fall on those glass windows and I look and I see my dad standing there with my mom and you know she's standing there just peeking through the window waiting for me to notice her and they kind of wave and I just jumped up from my chair I have no idea whether anybody in the staff meeting thought what in the world is she doing why is she walking out in the middle of this meeting but I just ran to the door and opened the door and ran out and just gave mother the biggest old hug and I just remember we cried and cried it was just so good to see her doing well yeah you know yeah so, so we saw the mess What's the message for you? Oh, the message is God is powerful. He's still in control. He's a God of second, third, 20, 1,000, a million chances. And um, I don't always know what he's up to, but I do know that prayer works. Mm -hmm. And he is as anxious to do for us good things as any good parent would be. Yeah. Um, it definitely is a miracle. We've experienced a miracle in our family. We've had many, but this is one mm -hmm. that, that incidentally went all the way around the world because we yes. got letters and uh, I think we had email at that time. Yes, we did. We, yeah. Mm -hmm. From the hospital, we were sending out emails almost on a daily basis and then we'd get one from South Carolina and we'd get mm -hmm. one from Florida. We got one from, I don't remember, up north somewhere, uh, out west. It was amazing. Uh, and then I think we got some from England, um, just mm -hmm. places that we would never expect. And people had heard the story and they would say, are you the family, you know, are you the Betty? That was, you know, that this happened right. too, and we had that opportunity to say that, and then found out so many people were praying for us that we didn't even know about. Yeah. So the power of prayer is incredible. And Kay, what's your message on all this? Well, uh, I'm hearing Bev talk about the power of prayer, and mine's kind of the same, but I, I think, well, let me go back. The lady that prayed so earnestly for Mom was a retired missionary who had the boldest faith I've ever seen in my entire life. This woman served in Africa when there was no reason she or her husband should still be alive because they were into the 60s Congo revolt. Um, lady that prayed for babies to breathe when they were already dead. And the boldness of her faith was so amazing that I thought, you know, here I am, raised in the church, learned to pray the simple little prayers that we do every day, but the boldness of saying, God, I believe you can do this. Please, I'm asking you boldly, raise Betty up out of this bed. And to see her eyes open immediately, that's nothing but God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The boldness of that faith will stay with me forever. Yeah. Forever. I, I, there's nothing more for me to say on yeah. that. You can't argue with a testimony. You really can't. It's no. it is what it is. And I got I'm I'm sitting here in the house. I'm wearing thermal. It's warm, mm -hmm. and I just got 
some God bumps all over my legs mm-hmm. and my arms. Uh, so that's that's powerful. Can, well, can I just say one more thing too? Can I stop you? Uh, no, you Absolutely. can't. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're a little too far away from me from grabbing my mouth and putting your hand <laughs> over it. So, but I'm close uh, enough to be hit. So you I, go ahead and say what you need to say. I, I often forget that um, that. I live my own little life in my own little world, and I forget that there's somebody out there that needs to hear that story of hope, that mm-hmm. story that says that um, God can reach into an impossible situation and uh, fix it, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, in this situation, there were many, many people who I'm sure either came to the Lord um, that their faith was solidified in the Lord, uh, that they had a new facet to remember how God works and how much he loved them. And so, I mean, if this story reaches in and touches your life, uh, that's why we're sharing it. We well, just, I was going to say that yeah. was 18 years ago, and I guarantee it just happened right now because someone just heard it yeah. and it made a difference. Yeah, uh, I mean, Because it's impossible not to have your story make a difference in someone's life. It might right. not make a difference in everyone's life, but someone's going to be touched by everybody's story. Right, and it's not because we're special people. There's nothing, we're very, uh, just well, one uh, one of those people. I happen to be God's very favorite oh. <laughs> on the whole planet out of seven and a half billion people, and so are so, you, so are and you. so are you, and so are you, the people who are listening as well. God loves us all. We're his very favorite. Um, one of the things that I, I want to, end up with us to let you know that mom did have a complete recovery total she sure did total complete recovery she's now 91 and this is the end phasing of her life but we are praising god that he gave us that much more time and even my own children and grandchildren she has been allowed to know five great grandchildren and it's just, or maybe six. How many great, great? Yes, yes. Great, great grandchildren. Yeah. Um, and those were times that we never expected to happen. Yeah, and to take a lady who was in a bed dead with a stroke and double knee replacement, and I remember watching her walk around in Yosemite, going around one of the great sequoias and just thinking, Try to tell me there's no God. Try to tell me there's no mm-hmm. such thing as a miracle. Right. Yeah, right. miracles right. still happen. They're, they're happening Amen. all the time. So yeah. thanks, ladies, for being willing to share. I uh, really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to leave you with that. If you want to uh, get a hold of us, don't forget it's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. You can get intern Dave if you want show ideas or if you want to share your story or someone in your family's story. Info at messituppodcast.com. If you've got ideas for song of the week or word of the week, I'd love to get that as well. Don't forget our uh, Starbucks challenge, hashtag stupendous, hashtag messituppodcast. If you put both of those in, that helps me because... um, it's uh, it, it just narrows the searching down for me a lot. Um, so I appreciate that. And thanks for listening. If you are in a place where you can do it, we'd love to have you join our Patreon uh, membership. Uh, so check that out at messituppodcast.com. Click on the Become a Patron button, and it'll give you all the information you need. And until the next time, uh, we'll see you when we mess it up. And don't forget to wash your hands. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info 
at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.